Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God, especially the first reading for the upcoming Sunday and how it brings transformation and conversion to our lives. Mary, happy Fat Monday. <laughs> happy Fat Monday to you too, Father John. Hard to believe it's uh, almost Lent, huh? I know it. But it's not here yet. But you know what? You, you, you say this often, and I think we all get to a point in our spiritual journeys throughout the year. You love Lent, and I personally can't wait for Lent. Oh, I can't either. either. As well. there, there's something about this reordering of our lives, getting back to why we do what we do. Yep. So I love it. Yep. I'm, I might just be really demented, but I, I really do. I love the simplicity of this season. I'm, I'm reading... I think we're both reading uh, some books by Mother Mary Frances. Uh, she's passed away now. She was the abbess of the poor Claire's, and I'm reading some of her early, early works on poverty. And I'm just, oh my gosh, I'm just reading this with a sense of longing as I look around my room and all the stuff I've got. And I'm like, oh, can you imagine the freedom that just comes from from living, having nothing? Living simply. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Lent, Lent among other things, is an opportunity for right. us to yeah, yeah. just to evaluate what can, we, what can we get rid of in our lives, not necessarily materially, although it might be. But interiorly. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a fair amount for me to get rid of. I don't know about you. Me too. Me I need too, like brother. a 120-day Lent. <laughs> that said, what's our topic today? Yeah, our topic today is preparing to pledge allegiance. Well, let's, uh, let's get ready to do that then. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, for the great days that are about to begin, we give you thanks in advance for all you're going to do in each and every one of us, for the way your Spirit's going to help us understand anew all that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, for the grace that he's going to give us to respond just a little bit more fully so that we can live our lives with greater and greater integrity. Be the men and women that you've both made us to be and that we deep down so desperately long to be. So send your spirit now upon us and our conversation, upon the hearts and minds and ears of those who are listening. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, Father John, before we jump in and we have our conversation this week, you know, we had reached out to us, well, I guess we had actually shared with everybody last week that we were going to be bringing in some leaders into our offices to do what we're calling leadership immersives. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I heard from a number of friends across the country who said, we are praying like crazy. Well, they didn't pray hard enough because it was terrible. (laughs) It was amazing, wasn't it? It was really extraordinary. And, And I think we would all agree that we left that week just invigorated and restored and renewed ourselves. I mean, so these were men and women that we invited to come and spend a week with us, which is not a light ask. And uh, we had gathered for a group picture at the end of our time together. And I just looked at these men and women and I'm thinking, you are the spiritual multipliers who are going to go out in your sphere of influence. And we're going to ask you to share everything that God did for you when you were here. Yeah. And I think it's going to bear great fruit. Yeah, so these are one of the four main things that we do in Acts 29. We've actually carved out uh, 12 weeks a year where we bring in leaders from around the country. And I think this is on par with the work that we're doing with the Rescue Project. That's that's our way of just getting the gospel out to the world. Um, These are our way of sharing with as many people as we can who fall into the both willing and multiplier category those things that God has given us to give away to bring transformation to the church. So 
I'm so looking forward to the next one already and just relishing the time we had. So thank you to everybody who was holding us in prayer. If you want more information on how to uh, how to find out whether or not that might be for you, you might want to check out acts29.org and you can uh, find uh, all sorts of helpful materials there on our leadership immersives. Yeah, and then just reach out to us. So thanks, everybody. So next Sunday's reading comes from Genesis uh, chapter 9, verses That's one of the first books of the Bible, 15. I think. You are correct, sir. <laughs> okay. So God said to Noah and to his sons with him, See, I am now establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, all the birds and the various tame and wild animals that were with you and came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. God added, This is the sign that I am giving for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and every living creature with you. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant I have made between me and you and all living beings so that the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all mortal beings. And there you have it. We're off and running with the season of Lent. I know as we were talking about this uh, in advance, you had what I imagine is a pretty common question for a lot of people. And that's what was it? Yeah, like, like, like why this? So, so we're stepping into Lent. Our minds have a particular understanding of what Lent is, but I would imagine most of us sitting in the pews don't understand why we're hearing about Noah. the story of the flood and Noah and all the animals. Yep. Well, because God hates animals and he wants to just know. Um, it's a great question. And I think, I think people probably know, but just in case we've forgotten. Um, so typically on Sunday, the first reading and the gospel are kind of in harmony. Uh, the Old Testament is kind of prefiguring something, which the gospel makes um, abundantly clear or brings to fulfillment. And the second reading is something more like just a continuous reading from usually St. Paul's letters, but it could be the Acts of the Apostles or other letters too. During Lent, Easter, Advent, Christmas, it's, it's a little different. All of the readings are really much more in sync. And this week, it's the second reading, which I think really helps us understand the answer to your question, because the second reading is from First Peter, where Peter says that um, Noah and the ark in which a few persons, eight and all, were saved through water prefigures baptism. So, okay, so what does that have to do with Lent? Well, that has everything to do with Lent because Lent has an ark to it. And so even as we begin this season, we want to think about how does Lent end and ends with the glorious celebration of the Easter Triduum, which of course culminates in the Easter Vigil when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead, his triumph over sin, death, and Satan. And this, the centerpiece of the Easter Vigil is the baptism of those who are coming into the church. And so all throughout the season of Lent, we are being asked as the church to prayerfully accompany those who have been preparing for baptism for the past number of months in a very intense way. But we're also being asked to think about our own baptism because what's going to happen at the Easter Vigil is not just the baptism of those coming into the church, but shortly after that, 
we're going to renew our own baptismal promises. And we're going to get into this uh, towards the end of the podcast. But when we do that, that is so much more significant than I think I would say all of us realize, quite candidly. So we read this because baptism is prefigured in the flood. So, you know, we often talk about types. The easiest way to understand a type is foreshadowing. You know, so you read a great book or you see a great movie. There are scenes that happen early on in the book or in the movie which don't necessarily seem to make all that much sense until you get to the end and then you realize, oh, that was like setting up this. Noah, the ark, the flood, the rainbow, the covenant sets up what happens in baptism. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, I'm just just thinking about um, the power of um, the power of water. You know, mm. we, you know, when um, you teach beautifully when you're when you're breaking open the sacraments, and I, I'm I'm reflecting on this reading. I'm thinking about the destructive nature of um of water yeah. and its power to kill and destroy. Yeah. But that's exactly, Father John, what's happening in baptism. This this water, the full immersion of those coming into the church is destroying something far greater than I mean it's destroying sin yep. and death. I mean it's washing away the chaos of of, of my own sinfulness. Even as it right? gives life, right? So think back to Noah. So the, the flood was doing two things. It was it was both killing and the water was the means by which the ark floated. So the ark is an image of the church. You know, point being like get in the boat, <laughs> you know? Although you're not in the boat, you're in trouble. So get into the boat, which is the church, the people of God who have responded to all that God has done for us and his son. So just like the waters of the flood were doing two things simultaneously, baptism really does something. It's not an empty gesture. It's not a public declaration that I want to follow Jesus. That's not a biblical vision of baptism. Baptism is really the means by which I die and I am brought to new life. So it's it's both destroying sin and it's filling me with grace, with divine power, with God's supernatural help for me to live uh, an, an entirely new life. Remember that you and I and Steve, your husband, years ago, I was just thinking of this as I was praying with the reading. There's a movie that came out, I don't remember when, early 2000s, I think, called The Impossible. And it oh, was about a tsunami. Yeah. Uh, I. I think the most devastating storm that's ever been recorded to hit the earth. I think I mean, it could be wrong on that, but it was such a powerful movie. It's a true story, although they changed some of the, I think they changed the origin of the people and whatever, but it, it so um, powerfully helped me understand the destructive power of sin or of, uh, of water. Just like you were saying, like water is just vicious, even as, uh, it is necessary for life all at the same time. Like you can go, I lived with a guy who, who didn't eat the entire season of Lent. He, like he didn't eat food. He just drank water. Because you can't go without water, right? Yeah, you can go without food. You can't right, go without right, right. water. So destroys, gives life all at the same time. That's why Noah starts us off. So, so let me ask you another question because we, we, we see this word used a lot in this reading. And I would imagine most of us aren't quite, don't have clarity around 
this line. So the opening line, see, I am now establishing my covenant. Mm. And then again, I will establish my covenant. Break open for us, Father John, what a covenant is and what it isn't. Yeah, so, so, that's a great question. Yeah. So there's lots of covenants in the, in the scriptures. Jesus, of course, um, when he celebrates the Last Supper, he says, you know, this is my, my blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which was foreshadowed by the prophets in the Old Testament. So covenants, covenants, let's start with what they're not. They're not contracts. What's a contract? A contract is when you and I sit down and we say, okay, I'm going to do this and you do that. And, but if you break that, if you stop doing that, well, then the contract's null and void. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm released from having to fulfill what it is that I said I would do. That's not a covenant. A covenant's something entirely different. Uh, I think it might be Tim Keller, who's passed away now, but I always love this description that he used. He would say a covenant is when um, one party says to the other party, I will be faithful to you even if you are not faithful to me. That's a covenant. You know, I'm just, uh, you were sharing that line with me before, before we started to record. That is something to pray with because that's who God is. Yeah, because he's the only one who can actually say that because <laughs> we but, continually break but, it, but right? But because, but, but I, I say that, Father John, because most of us have a distorted understanding of who God is. Yeah, I would argue all of us do. Who the Father is. Yeah. This is who God is. Yep. You know, we, we often talk about, you know, the fidelity of God, the steadfastness of God, the glory of God, his faithfulness. He's true to his promises. When j- Just to, like, write down that word in your journal and to pray with that line, I will be, this is the Father speaking, I will be faithful even when you are not. That's how good God is and his love and his fidelity looks nothing yep. and, like and, ours. And, and the so, definitive proof is Jesus, which is going to be the culmination of Lent, right? And, and we talk about this often. We talked about this last week with the leadership immersive. I think, you know, maybe provocatively, if you were to boil down Jesus's one homily, his one homily is something like, you have my father wrong. You don't know him. And all of us have a distorted image of God, to be sure. And one of the things that the Lord wants to do in this season of Lent is to heal that. Yeah. Because just as you said, God is always faithful. And for those of us who are tempted to think, well, I'm not so sure about that, look at the cross. That's the proof. When Jesus says, I am the way, the way where? The way to the Father. When he says, I am the truth, the truth about whom? The truth about the Father. That God is a good God. He's, he's not holding out on you. He's not uh, oppressive. He's not cruel. He's not distant. Jesus is the proof of that because he says, when you see me, you see the Father. We should think about that when we're looking at Jesus on the cross. I'm seeing there just how good God is. That he would, he would share with us his only son so that sin, death, and Satan would not conquer us. Beautiful. Thank you, Father John, for sharing that. I think it's so rich. Yeah, so let's do this. Let's, let's, let's try to break open for people why we're calling this what we're calling it, namely preparing to pledge allegiance. So we mentioned that Lent's going to end uh, reaching its high point with the Easter vigil, obviously. And at the center of the Easter vigil is the celebration of baptism. And then right after we baptize 
those coming into the church, we do something which I, here's something I've just been kicking around for the last couple of weeks and months now. I don't think we understand what we're doing. In fact, here's what I would say. I, I think, I think the typical person in the pew, priest included, Sunday after Sunday, when we recite the creed, we have no clue what we're doing, what we're saying. And it's so much weightier than we, propose, than we suppose or we imagine, and maybe we shouldn't actually be saying it. And so Lent is a time, that's what we want to set up right now, a time for us to think about, do we really want to do this? Are we willing to do what it is we're going to do come Holy Saturday and answer these questions when, they're, when the creed is basically proposed to us in a question and answer format, right? So the baptismal promises are renewed for us all, right. and we're going to be asked, do you a believe in God the Father? Right. I do. Do you believe yep. in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I do. What does that mean? And we can't get into it at length right now, but it means so much more than we imagine. It, it, I just read this provocative little book called Salvation by Allegiance Alone by a guy named Matthew Bates. And I was talking with a, a friend of mine who teaches theology at a Catholic university. And it's a really solid book. There might be some things that we might take exception to, whatnot. Bates isn't Catholic, although he got his doctorate at Notre Dame. But he makes an argument. I think this is spot on. You tell me if this resonates with you. He says, he tries to say we should either never use the word faith anymore or we should put it in quotes. Because why? Because because we don't understand what we're saying. Absolutely. I have faith or I believe. What does or, that even mean? And so he's trying to make an argument, and I think it's a pretty good argument, that the Greek word, which is translated as faith or trust or belief uh, in the New Testament, it, it means at its heart three things, not one thing, three things. And this is so important for us, given the culture that we're in right now, given the election that we're about to enter into, and how political uh, many people in the, in the church are. And so the three things he'd say, he'd say are these. First, it's the content that is proposed to me. So do I believe with my intellect what it is I am professing I do? in response to the questions. So the first part is content believed. I think that's where most people stop it. But he goes on to say it means two other things. It means a willingness to profess Jesus out loud as Lord, which is a really political statement because Caesar is Lord for the Roman Empire. So to say Jesus is Lord, this... Nazarene who was crucified is Lord, meaning what? Meaning he is the king of the universe right now, not in the future, right now. And that he, here's the third part, he is deserving of, and I pledge to him today my loyalty and my allegiance with the grace of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's going to be more important to me than my mom my dad, my husband, my wife, my children, my siblings, my political party, my favorite football team, whatever it is, that's what it means to 
profess the creed. My, my, my loyalty and allegiance belong first and foremost to him. Now, now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine a lot of people are going, or maybe not listening to this, but a lot of people in the church, if we were to say this, they would go, whoa, 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 you got to be kidding. That's too much. Yeah, that's a bit, like, who does he think he is? It's a little over the top. Well, who he thinks he is, is the savior of the world and the one who's defeated sin, death, and Satan. And, when, and if we will use Lent to break open and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand who Jesus is and what he's done, then we should come to a place where we come to realize nobody has done for me. No family member, no political party, no person, no sports team, nobody has done what Jesus has done. Therefore, he's first all the time. Therefore, I pledge allegiance to him. Now, I don't know about you. I've been starting to do this like every morning. I just keep saying over and over again, like, Jesus, I pledge my loyalty to you. Help me to do this. Like, I need help to do this. So give me grace. Give me power. Give me strength to stay close to you. Otherwise, I won't. I'll run away. That's what I do. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here just processing like everything that you're saying. And you've been sharing with us on the team, you know, the impact that uh, that this book by Bates is having on you. And I'm just thinking about the roteness with which we can profess the creed week after week. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally, like I love, you know, I, I think it, uh, it might have even been last week's podcast or a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how I can sit in the pews on Easter Vigil and have like this holy jealousy, especially for the adults who are coming into the waters of baptism. And I'm thinking, gosh, I would like, I would so love to do that, right? And I wait with longing for that, for those renewal of the baptismal vows. Mm. I mean, I, I do wait for longing for those, but I don't have to wait like every, I don't have to wait for the Easter vigil. I should be able to say that or desire and have that, I should have that same desire, that eagerness every single day. And I'm listening to you talk about, you know, this pledge, you know, giving this oath, this pledge to Jesus. And I'm thinking back when, um, my husband was an officer in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. and he was going through OCS in the basic school, and our daughter was really little at that time, and she would watch her dad salute, like practice saluting. And she would um, pretend to salute as well, in her in her little dress, and she would sing this song that we taught her. And the gist of it was, I'm in the Lord's army. And she would say, you know, in this little way, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. But that's really what we're doing. You're talking about re-enlisting. And there's, Father John, there's a weightiness to this word allegiance. You know, even just the word renewal of baptismal vows, even that can sound kind of churchy. There's a weightiness to oath. There's a weightiness to covenant that we broke open earlier. There's this heaviness, this gravitas to, to, to the word allegiance. And when we were with the leaders last week, you know, we were breaking open a set of prayer exercises where we encourage them to prayerfully ask the Lord, where's the enemy's flag flying right now, like in our lives? Mm. What territory has the enemy taken from you, taken from the Lord rather, and where is he inviting you to go pull up that flag that the enemy has planted and plant, and plant the, 
flag of Jesus Christ. So, mm-hmm. so there's so many areas in our life where I don't know that I have fully um, given over allegiance to the Lord in my life. And I think Lent is maybe like the, like the place, the season to start looking at those areas of my life and where, where haven't I given, where isn't, where isn't Jesus reigning as Lord in my life? Right. Sorry to go on about that. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I I think that makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, I would, you and I were talking right before we started to record what needs to happen. I mean, two things need to happen for this to really get actualized in our lives. The, The first is I need trust. Like, so, so somebody is asking me for everything, literally everything. Well, you, you, don't, you can't just ask somebody that. I have to know who you are. Who, who is this person who's asking me for everything? And that's Jesus. Now, why would I give that to him? Because of what he's done. So again, we want to ask the Holy Spirit in these weeks to help us know <laughs> and understand who Jesus is and what he's done. And then we need grace. And grace is, grace is a lot of things, but one of the ways that's been helpful for me to understand grace is grace is power. So let's go back to, to baptism. God gave us something when we were baptized. He gives us something in all the sacraments. He gives us supernatural strength, divine life. So the, the good news there is that it's not all on me. I don't have to do this all on my own. Like the Lord gives me something I don't have so as to be able to do what it is that I'm promising to do. So it's not like the Lord says, okay, this is what you better do. Now try hard or I'm going to smite you. It's like, no, no, no. I understand who you are. You're a broken man or a broken woman. You're dust and ashes. So this is never going to be all on you. It's just going to be, or it's not just going to be, it's going to require you to stay close to me. And to keep asking me, give me strength, Lord, give me strength, Lord, give me strength. So as opposed to rolling up your sleeves and trying harder, it's more like putting up your hands and surrendering. And our help comes from the sacraments. You know, Eucharist, confession, that's what gives us that grace. And I was just thinking about, you know, I'm going back to Keller's definition, I will be faithful even when you're not faithful. And oh, by the way, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to be faithful. I'm going to even give you that. Amen. So we put together a little something. Do you have that prayer? You know, Father John, I do. And I, I just, I just, I love the spin that we've put on this by God's grace and his direction. It's just a new way to look at our baptismal vows. And, and we've tied, so it's a prayer, actually, that we've invited leaders to pray. And, and the title of the prayer is The Deed to My Life. Why don't you go ahead and share that? And then maybe this is something that we want to maybe just keep this podcast, this ending right now in a special way handy all throughout the the days of Lent. And we'll we'll try to make this available uh, somehow uh, on the show notes, perhaps next week or maybe the week after, so that you can actually have this and print it out and pray with it. But this is how Lent is going to end with basically a question from God saying, will you sign this? I love it. Why don't you share it with us? sign over the deed to your life? So the prayer starts like this. I renounce Satan and all of his works and all his empty promises. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered death and was buried, rose again from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. I, Mary, renounce the ownership of my life and surrender myself entirely to you, Jesus. I say yes to your invitation to follow you as your disciple and pledge my allegiance to you this day. I ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to help me always to stay loyal to you. This is a prayer that's worth writing in our journals and then having a place where you actually sign your name at the bottom of this prayer and date it and to keep it always before you because signing over the rights of our life, the deeds of our life is a daily is a daily surrendering. Amen. I love this, Father John. So again, why can we do that? How in the world can we do that? Because God keeps his promises and he's faithful and he's trustworthy and he's conquered death and he's defeated sin and he's bound the strong man. And because all of that is true, do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this. Hello, friends. This is Mary Gilfoyle with X29. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in knowing more about our mission, check out our website at x29.org. That's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org, where you can learn more about who we are and what God has called us to do. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to Father John's weekly blog, Thoughts from the Trailer, as well as access The Rescue Project. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And please pray for us and be assured of our prayers and gratitude for each and every one of you. We look forward to you tuning in next week. God bless you.